Greetings, Theo 102. Welcome to the Need to Know More podcast. I am your guide, Professor Leah Payne, and I am your solo guide today. Dr. Brian Doak is not with me um, during this version of the Need to Know More podcast, but not to worry, he will be back in the very next podcast. But today, I am talking to you solo um, about this week's topic, and it is the rule of St. Benedict. And um, actually the guiding word for this week, if you have looked at Foxtail um, or the syllabus, is rule. We are talking about the rule of St. Benedict. I want to um, start our need to know more time with this simple question, which is, is there a rule that orders your life? Is there a rule that orders your life? It could be um, a, a set of guidelines that you receive from your sports team, from your theater crew, from your church community, from your government, from any other source. I want to ask you, is there a rule that guides your life? And what does that rule ask of you? What does it ask you to do? And my guess would be, what community does that bring you into? So we're going to be talking about monastic orders, groups of people who God has called to live in community, in close community with one another, and to take a particular set of vows, promises, covenants, um, that they in, enter into between, uh, with one another and with God to live in a particular kind of way. Monasticism um, is a way of living wherein you um, renounce or you say no to particular normal functions of life, like um, having say, for example, your own property or having a spouse or um, bringing children into a particular household and, or family. And you say yes to a, a, another way of living. You say yes to a particular community. So one thing that you may or may not have learned before this class is early versions of um, monastic orders um, were actually, or early versions of monasticism, um, oftentimes were people who would go out into the desert or into isolation and live and pray and intercede for the people of God. Um, some of them went into the desert and were hermits out in the desert. Some of them, in fact, there's a whole body of literature from ancient Christians um, that are that's known as um, the Desert Fathers. Uh, they were mostly men, <laughs> uh, the Desert Fathers, of course. Um, but there were Desert Mothers as well. They were Christians who um, lived out in the desert. Most of them lived in Egypt, and they prayed and they pondered Scripture. And they were people who were thought of by the early church as um, uh, really, really powerful leaders, powerful figures 
in the church. Now, you might have in your mind kind of a, a stereotypical vision of what a monk would be, um, a monk or a nun. And um, you might think of someone who, you know, wears a particular set of clothes or has a particular kind of otherworldly, like ultra, you know, quiet or peaceful or something kind of kind of persona, whatever kind of stereotype you have in your mind. But um, I want you to suspend that for a moment because some of the earliest um, versions of monastic life and of um, these these uh, spiritual fathers and mothers who lived out in the desert, they were seen as great warriors for God. These were people who were interceding on behalf of the church. They were... Um, great warriors in the spiritual world defending the church from the forces of Satan. In fact, um, some of these folks were known for uh, living on what's what are called stylites, basically these slender towers where they would contend with the forces of Satan for the health and the vitality of the church. So they would, um, they, they were warriors essentially, um, not the kind of warriors that would um, enter into physical battle, but the kind of warriors who were engaged in a very critical spiritual battle for the future and the good of the church. St. Benedict is somebody that you're going to be reading about this week. And um, one of the characteristics of the Benedictine life, that's Benedictine is the way we say um, a group of of believers who have lived together and taken vows together under the rule of St. Benedict. These were uh, people who began to live and work together in close-knit community. So we're going to be studying this, and you're going to be reading um, the rule of St. Benedict today. And what you get from this is a really extraordinary picture of um, what people hoped for and what they were praying for in a community of life together. Now, many people who join monastic orders, so they they become a monk or a nun, um, and they decide to live in this community together, are what we call ascetics, A-S-C-E-T-I-C, an ascetic. Um, and an ascetic, the actually the ancient Greek word for ascetic, comes from um, the uh, words that mean like to train or to be an athlete. And I think that's a great way of looking at the aesthetic ascetic life. Um, an ascetic is someone who is a spiritual athlete. It's like if you think about an Olympian, some elite athlete like Serena Williams or something, there's just something so extraordinary about her, right? She is um, the greatest of all time. She is an extraordinary tennis player and there's something um about how she lives her life that allows her to be that way i mean first off there's like god-given talent um and ability and also she trains right she has a very strict training um schedule and and so if we think about um nuns and monks a, a great way to think about them is essentially they are Christian athletes. They are people who believe in um, the value and that God has called them to train um, spiritually and um, physically 
to lead lives that are entirely dedicated to God and to the people of God. So um, you're going to be reading about the establishment of the Benedictine order, and you're also going to be um, reading, or you're going to be watching um, a lecture video from Dr. Joseph Clare that actually takes place at a Benedictine um, a, a community not too far from Newburgh. It's um, Mount Angel, which is um, a very, very quick drive from Newburgh to Mount Angel. And you'll hear from Dr. Joseph Clare and you'll get to explore um, Benedictine life as it exists today. One of the most extraordinary things about the Order of St. Benedict is that it is still lived out today. So you will be learning about the order and you'll be learning about the ordered life from the, the lecture with Dr. Joseph Clare. You're also going to be um, hearing a testimony of a nun, um, that a very recent testimony. This was actually um, a BuzzFeed video from 2019, so in the very recent past. Um, you're going to be watching that. It's called Why I Left My $150,000 Job to Become a Nun. Um, this particular nun is not a Benedictine. She's not Roman Catholic. Um, she is Anglican, and so you're going to learn a little bit about that from her. But I wanted you to hear a testimony from a woman in the 21st century who felt called by God to live in a um, an ordered life. So she felt called by God to renounce certain things from this world, and to enter into a radical community of believers. I wanted you to hear it in her words, and I'm really excited to hear what you think of that. You're also going to watch a very short video from made by Mount Angel um, that considers the rule of St. Benedict, what the rule is, and actually wrestles with the question, why has it lasted over 1,500 years? So you're going to be hearing from people within a Benedictine community, the Mount Angel Abbey, and you will hear in their words why they think the, um, the, this particular order has lasted for so long. So you may or may not be aware of the fact that there are different types of ways of living in monastic communities. Um, Benedictines are not the only ones, and you may be wondering why. And one reason is that um, in different eras of the church, um, there have been moments where communities have lived up to their high ideals. You're going to see that the Benedictine, uh, the rule of St. Benedict, includes really high ideals for living a God-honoring, Scripture-oriented life. And then there are times when particular communities did not live up to those ideals. And in those times, say there's been a time of corruption or wealth buildup or just a moment in time where um, people who were living in monastic orders, either in, like in monasteries and convents, places like that, um, when they have not lived up to their high ideals, someone um, has risen up and called the order to reform and sometimes even created their own new order. So there are lots of versions of that. In fact, um, the current 
head of the Roman Catholic Church, the current Pope, is from a very recently established order, um, the Society of Jesus, otherwise known as the Jesuits. So throughout time, there's a pattern um, of, of renewal and reform, and we get lots of different versions of um, a life dedicated to the work of God and to love of neighbor. Um, so there are lots of there's a lot of variety. We're focusing in on the rule of Saint Benedict um, in part because it, uh, it's it it's in our chronology as we're moving forward through time. I'm also including um, just for fun, you're not going to be tested on this, but just for fun, um, some Gregorian chant produced by Benedictine nuns. So um, this is just like 28 minutes of beauty for you. One of the things that um, you may or may not know about the monastic world is that this ordered life that you're going to be learning about in the readings, um, among many things that monks and nuns and and the people who lived in um, the in religious orders did was preserve extraordinary amounts of human knowledge and human art. Um, they, uh, the whole reason why we have scriptures available to us today that have been handed down generation uh, to generation is because these groups of people um, were preserving them for us. Many times they were copying them down. Like there's, there are really beautiful um pieces of of um, scripture that you can see from this time period where um, that where uh, participants in the order would spend extraordinary amounts of time um, making sure that the scriptures lasted over time and that we had them available to us today because remember this was before the printing press so they um, they preserved and made sure that they maintained scriptures for us but then they also um, were the the site, the intellectual hub of um, the world, really, in many ways, um, as far as the Christendom that we've talked about. Um, they were the, the site for education and the preservation and the exploration of music, literature, art, theater, all these um, amazing things were uh, preserved and flourished in many ways, in um, monastic life. So I have uh, chosen for you what I think is really beautiful music, and you can listen to it while you do your work. You, you can listen to it maybe on a walk. I like to listen to it and think about God. Um, so I highly recommend just taking a listen to Ave Maria, a Gregorian chant version of it, produced by Benedictine monks, uh, I mean, Benedictine nuns, uh, and shared with the world, I think it, as recently as 2014. So this is art that's still happening and still being preserved and produced and shared um, with the wider world. You're also um, going to be reading the rule of St. Benedict. Before I send you out into the world for the week, you are going to be reading from the Rule of St. Benedict, and I want to read for you one chapter, chapter four, um, and send you off with a few parting thoughts. Chapter four, what are the instruments of good works? 
the first place, to love the Lord God with the whole heart, the whole soul, and the whole strength, then one's neighbor as if oneself, then not to kill, not to commit adultery, not to steal, not to covet, not to offer false witness, to honor all men, to do as one would done would be done by, to deny oneself that one may follow Christ, to chastise the body, not to embrace delights, to love fasting, to relieve the poor, to clothe the naked, to visit the sick, to bury the dead, to help in tribulation, to console in the sorrowing, to become stranger to worldly deeds, to prefer nothing to the love of Christ, not to carry anger into effect, not to prolong the duration of one's wrath, not to retain guile in one's heart, not to make false peace, not to abandon charity, not to swear lest one forswear, to utter only truth from heart and mouth, not to return evil for evil, not to do injury, but to suffer it patiently, to love enemies, not to curse in return those who curse one, but rather to bless them, to bear persecution for righteousness, not to be proud, not to be given to much wine, not to be gluttonous, not to be... Uh, not given to much sleep, not to be sluggish, not to be given to grumbling, not to be a detractor, to put one's hope in God. When one sees any good in oneself, to attribute it to God, not to self, but to recognize that evil always comes from self and to refer it to self, to have wholesome fear of the day of judgment, with fear to shrink from hell, to long for eternal life with all spiritual desire. To have the expectation of death daily before one's eyes, hour by hour, to keep guard over one's every act, to know for certain that God sees everyone. Forthwith, to dash upon the rock, even Christ, any evil thoughts approaching the heart, to lay them open before one's superior, to keep one's mouth from evil or depraved speech, not to love to speak much, not to speak useless or mirth-provoking words, not to love much or excessive laughter, to listen with goodwill to holy reading, to be frequently occupied in prayer with tears and groaning daily, to confess in prayer to God one's past sins concerning those same sins to amend for the future, not to fulfill the desires of the flesh, to hate one's own will, to yield obedience in all things to the abbot's precepts, even if he himself act contrary to their spirit, the which be far from him, being mindful of that precept of the Lord, what they say do ye, but what they do do ye not. Do not wish to be called holy before one is, but to be so first, whereby one would be so called the more truly. By deeds daily, to fulfill the precepts of God, to love chastity, not to hate anyone, not to harbor jealousy, not to love contention, to avoid elation, to venerate seniors, to love juniors, in the love of Christ, to pray for everyone's enemies. In the case of discord with anyone, to make peace before the setting of the sun and never to despair the mercy of God. Behold, these are the instruments of the spiritual art at the which, when they shall have been ceaselessly employed by us day and night and duly given back in the day of judgment, shall be recompensed to us by that reward from God which he promised, that which the eye hath not seen, nor the ear heard, 
and hath not entered into the human heart the things which God has prepared for they who love him. And the cloister of the monastery and stability in the community are the workshop wherein we may diligently effect all these works. I want to read that last line. And the cloister of the monastery and stability in the community are the workshop wherein we may diligently effect all these works. I want to ask you again, do you have a community where you can live out high ideals that God has called you to? Could God be calling you into a community wherein you can workshop and diligently affect all these works? You may not be called into the cloistered life, into a monastic life. In fact, not that many people are. But it's a question that's worth all of us asking. Is there a rule? Is there a guideline? Is there a community? And is there a workshop wherein you can learn how to live out the life God has called you to live? Mm -hmm. 